Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. All right, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. If you're a guest with us, we believe that the church is a whole lot more than what happens here on a Sunday morning. But we are the people of God, filled by the Spirit of God to carry out the mission of God everywhere we go um, from now on. And so I want to encourage you that today is meant to be an overflow and a filling station, not the destination. This is not the point. This is a place for us to fill up and get full and get moving again because God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for your life. I don't know if you've heard that lately. That you are God's handiwork and you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. You have a purpose. So what we talk about on a Sunday morning is not so that you can fill up a journal. It's so that your life will be shaped and formed and changed so that the world around you will take a different shape. Are you with me? It's, It's drastically different from let's just go hear another sermon. This is just a sermon. No, the word of the Lord has the capacity to shape me and change me and reform me. And so I want to invite you this morning as we dive into the scriptures to listen with that kind of hunger, that kind of tenacity. What is the Lord saying for us? What does he want to do in us? How am I open up to the word of God and to his presence to understand what it is that he's up to through the person of Jesus? Um, And so that's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about the fear of the Lord, and I just want to continue talking about the Word of God and how the Word of God is central to the fear of the Lord um, and learning to honor God in the way that we live. You know, Isaiah chapter 11 says this interesting thing about Jesus. It says that the Spirit of God will be on him and that he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus will delight in fear. You hear that? Sounds odd, like in our culture, if I hear fear, I don't hear something good. But this says that Jesus is delighting in in seeing God rightly so that he honors him and lives according to who God is in the way that he lives. He delights in him. Now this blows me away because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity who has literally been with the Father forever and still he is obsessed with bringing him glory and being obedient to him because he sees who he is. He delights in the fear of the Lord. What does it mean for us as the people of God to delight in the fear of the Lord, to be so passionate and so consumed with who God is that we want to live reverent and obedient to him in all that we do? Uh, It's why Jesus got up early and stayed up late and went to solitary places to pray, because he wanted to see the Lord and be with the Lord and revere him in a way that changed the way that he lived. In John chapter 6, verse 38, he says, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, as a husband of 19 years, let me just tell you what I've learned. That one of the chief ways I can love and honor my wife is that when she's talking to me, I will listen and I will respond with obedience. Anybody else? If she asks me to do something, that I will listen to her and I will quickly respond. The other day she asked me, hey, can you go buy me butter? She's a baker. I was on the phone. Can you buy me butter? And I was talking to somebody else and she came up and whispered to me, can you multitask? (laughs) The answer is no, but I can today, baby. (laughs) No, I'm incapable of multitasking, but I'm going to get to work. Yes. One of the chief ways that we communicate love and honor to God is we listen to what he's saying and we obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me, right? And so we're going to dive into uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, um, and we're going to read to 13. I think you'll have 15, all the way to 15 on the screen, but let's read together. Actually, will you stand to your feet? Let's honor the word together this morning. Why are we standing to our feet? Because when we honor the word, sometimes we have to change our posture to recognize the value of what's happening. If a dignitary walked into the room right now, you'd get up on your feet. If the president walked into the room, you'd stand on your feet. Well, this morning, the God of all creation is here with us, 
And his word is being spoken to us, so we stand on our feet. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says, So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40 years, uh, and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. And so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's the word of the Lord. Feel free to be seated. You know, we uh, talked last week about who the Word of God is and what He does in our lives. The Word of God, according to the Scriptures, is the person Jesus. And Jesus comes, the Word comes to us to set us free. Hebrews 4.12 told us that He divides our fallen nature from His Spirit's work in us, that He judges our thoughts and our attitudes, um, and that God's word is like the sword of the spirit where the spirit uses it to equip us and to fight back against our flesh. This is who the word of God is. And this is what he does. But if that's who the word of God is, and if that's what he does, why do so few of us spend time in the word or with the word? Have you ever thought about it? If we know what the Word of God is accomplishing, if we know what it is built to do, if we know who He is and His impact in our lives, how come I am so quick to pass over 10 minutes with the Lord for another cup of coffee? How come I can find time for anything, including my favorite Netflix series or that next meal, but I will skip over the written and spoken words of God on a daily basis? Do you recognize that thing in yourself, that contradiction, that I can see how valuable he is and what happens when he speaks? And yet, in my flesh, it is the first thing that I will relegate out of my schedule when faced with other decisions. Oof, what a problem for us, right? Among many reasons, I believe that one of the reasons we do this is that hardship and going through difficult situations in our life has a way of turning our hearts hard. And hardness of heart keeps the word of the Lord from penetrating the soil of our lives. Hear me. One of the things I feel most often on Sunday mornings in the local church, all through the Bible Belt, is a hardness of heart. Is everybody staring at the screen? Is there something on it? One of the things I feel the most, one of the things that feels the most challenging to me as a pastor on a Sunday morning when we are worshiping the living God and we say, hey, tell him how faithful he is. And then you hear silence. There is something heavy that sits on me that says there is a hardness of heart that is not responsive to the presence and the word of the Lord. And if I can just um, antagonize you a little bit this morning to believing that the word of the Lord really is this honorable, this valuable, this precious, that when he's speaking and when his presence is near, that I will give him my very best because it's what he's worth. Yes. Not, not second best. He's not an appetizer to the main course. He's not just the dessert. To, he, he is everything. It's, it's one of the most daunting things for me is that we can, as children of God, sit in the house of God with the people of God and be filled by the presence of God and somehow be unimpacted, unchanged, and unaffected. That cannot be. That cannot be. It cannot be that God could walk into the room and that I would feel hard-hearted toward what he's doing. It cannot be that I can read the word of the Lord and feel unchanged because something has gone to sleep or is dried up inside of me. And for me to say God is not speaking. No, he's speaking. I just can't hear him. Friends, we, we have to lean in. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus shares this parable of the soil and the seed. It's about a farmer who goes out and he sows the seed, which is the Word of God, all on these different types of soil. I don't know if you remember the first type of soil that the seed hits. It's the one we don't ever talk about. It's the soil along the path. 
And the path is so packed down and it is so tough that the seed never actually gets through the crusty layer of the soil and so the birds just come and eat it. You know, this is really a picture for each and every one of us because some of you are here today and your hearts are like that dry, hard soil that the Word can't even penetrate when it hits it. The Word of God can't get through. You wonder why coming to church can be so difficult for you sometimes. It's simple. Your heart's hard. And the Word can't do what God intends for it. So today, I want to invite you to do something, because I have been here too. There are times where I, it's like I'm waking up out of, a, out of a dream, and I realize, oh my God, my heart is so hard, I didn't know it. Have you guys ever been there? It's suddenly like the Spirit of God breathes, and I go, oh, I had no idea this thing had gone to sleep. I had no idea that the thing that I was calling faith was really like a lack of faith, a lack of clarity about who He was, a lack of passion for His name. But can I encourage you today that if you feel like the Spirit is, is tapping on that hardened heart and saying, let me in, let me in, that today you would be faithful to till up the soil of your own heart. Are you with me? I know it's heavy. Are you with me? Really, because what the world needs and what our community needs and what the church needs and what our nation needs is not people who just keep coming to church but don't give a crap about what God is saying. It's people who are so hungry and thirsty for the truth that we will wake up. We'll wake up. I'll stir up the places that are dry and dead in me. Because He is worth it. It doesn't matter how far you are from Him. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart today saying, well, can I come in? Can I come in? Will you let me come in? So till up your heart today. The writer of Hebrews is borrowing from the story in the Old Testament where God led his people in the wilderness to test them and to reveal himself to them. And they had been walking for a really long time and they come to this place later called Masa, which means quarreling, and Meribah, which means testing. Right? Like God actually named it after their failure there. And they were thirsty, but there was no water. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like you're in this season where you are so thirsty and desperate for something, but there's no answer in sight. Anybody? Now here was the problem. Israel had seen God do these incredible miracles and signs and wonders to get them out of slavery. He um, put plagues all over the nation of Egypt. He convinced the Egyptians to give them wealth and riches. He split the Red Sea so that they could march through on dry ground. He fed them manna from heaven and would materialize from nothing. He sent quail in the desert so they would have meat to eat. And here they are, thirsty for something as small as a drink of water after all that. And instead of having faith in God, they turned their backs on Him and they turned on Moses and blamed Him for their thirst. Why? Because they weren't living by faith in God. Now, I know none of you has ever been tempted to blame your problems or situations on somebody else. Right? No. Surely. That's not us. We've never made that, that fatal mistake of blaming our issues on other people. But truly, there are times when we find ourselves without the very thing that we think we need, and it's a great way for us to expose our attitudes toward God and others. When I feel and experience a lack of something that I'm desperate for, suddenly it's going to expose where my trust lies. Because nothing teaches us what or who we trust in quite like lack. It's interesting. It's where our faith is tested. It's where our immaturity in Christ is exposed. They lacked water and their lack exposed something. So here's what it exposed. It didn't matter how many miracles God did because they didn't trust him and their hearts were hard toward him it didn't matter if God brought them through the sea it didn't matter what God did because their hearts continued in a place of hardness that wouldn't allow their faith to be rooted for them to continue to look to God in moments of crisis and need see their faith was not in God it was in how they felt not in the word that God had spoken and the question for us is when I face trials Will I be led by the word of God or will I begin taking orders from my feelings, my fear, my frustration, and my situations? I'll say it again. 
when I face trials, when you face seasons of difficulty, and you will, young people in here, if you're not there yet, you will. It's promised that every single one of us is going to face problems, right? But when I do that, I have a choice as to whether or not I'm going to allow my feelings and my fear and frustrations to form my life and my responses, or if I'm going to stand firm in the Word of God. Is everybody okay? All right. So here's what I've discovered for me. When I'm yielding to fear and frustration and circumstances to tell me how to live and how to respond, I quickly feel like God is silent and absent. Am I talking too fast? Okay. When I start to live in response to fear and frustration and my circumstance, very quickly I am convinced that God is absent and silent. Have you noticed when people are going through deconstruction where they're walking away from the Lord, often the first thing that happens is disappointment or pain? And then they can't reconcile that with what they have read or what they know to be about God. And they start to respond out of fear and frustration and circumstance rather than on the word of the Lord. He says, well, you fight for the word that I've given to you. And you say, no, I'm simply going to build my life and my response system to what the circumstance is around me. Is he? Has, has God gone silent or absent because of your situation? Did God suddenly change his nature and his disposition because of this moment that you're going through? No. No, the reality is my lack of trust in God makes me deaf to his voice. And it leads my heart to disobedience, which becomes a hardened heart. And from there, I go to unbelief. It is a slippery slope, y'all. It's a slippery slope from a moment of pain, a moment of hardship, where suddenly, rather than looking to the Lord in faith, I look to my own means to solve something, and I quickly let my ears go deaf, my heart go hard, and I move into disobedience and unbelief. A lot of times we look at, I don't know if you've got these friends, I mean, I'm, I'm 40, so I'm looking at my generation get pulled away in droves through this idea or ideology called deconstruction, which essentially always starts with pain, moves to reconciling things in their own strength, and then into disobedience and unbelief, where I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want, live however I want, because God didn't answer me here. Dang, really? There's, there's an option for us. There's a choice here that we have to make. Now, we don't like how clear-cut this is, but the reality of your lack of appetite for the Lord is proof that your heart is hard and your feet are slipping. Guys, this is terrifying. There is nothing that is scarier than when you realize you haven't spent any time with Jesus and you're not hungry for him. You haven't spent any time with the Lord. I haven't read my Bible in weeks and weeks, and I'm not even sure that I'm hungry to get there. There is nothing more terrifying than those moments because God is making it clear for us that we have to wake up and hear the word of the Lord again. Hear it again. Like we talked about last week, that Jonah would say no to the Lord, be driven into the belly of a well, spit out on land, and then the word of the Lord would come again. And some of you are in a moment or a season where you have walked in disobedience to what God said because it was hard or you didn't like it or something worked against what was convenient. And God's saying, will you be faithful even still? And the word of the Lord came again to Jonah because he repented and he gave thanks to God and he turned his face back to the exact place God was aiming him. For some of you this morning, your face has turned away from the thing he has called you to and God is saying, get back on track. I want to give you my word again. Why? Because the word of God is life. You're like, I'm dried up and depressed and anxious. You need the word of God. You need the word of the Lord from his mouth, confirmed by the scriptures, empowered by the Holy Spirit to wake you up and set you on fire and get you moving. Sleepy um, religion is not what Jesus has called us to. Don't settle for that. It's not what he's called you to. He has called us to live awake and alive in him. And we are desperate for the word of the Lord. The same word that created the cosmos in Genesis chapter 1. The same word who is Jesus in John chapter 1. 
It's the word of the Lord that when it hits my life, it reanimates me. It brings everything that's in black and white into color. It brings order and structure and, and, and power to the place that was broken. It's his word. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear him whispering, don't let your heart be hard to it. That tells me a couple things. Firstly, it tells me that we have today. You have today. You might have had a yesterday where you felt you couldn't hear him or perhaps you've been struggling with faith or living in outright disobedience to the Lord. Man, I've got good news for you. You've been given a beautiful gift called today. Today. You don't have another one of these. You hear me? God is merciful to give us another chance to hear his voice and to respond. I remember years back, I've told this story so many times, uh, this man came to Evangel Temple where I used to work, and, or Evangel Church, um, I'm having a hard time catching that up in my brain, and he came and he said, hey, I need a ride, so I gave him a ride, and when we got to the other place, and we would get like 100 benevolence calls a week, guys, people coming to ask for money and all kinds of stuff, um, and so I drove him across town, and we got to the destination, and he said, hey, can I have $50, and I, you know, Again, we have benevolence calls all week, so every person's asking us personally for money, and it could become pretty, like, weighty. And I remember just saying to him, I don't have it. And as soon as I said it, the Holy Spirit quickened in me, and he said, yes, you do. And I was like, I, I never carry cash. And then I realized all of a sudden that I happened to have cash that day, and I had a $50 bill, Catherine, in my pocket. Who carries a $50 bill? I don't know. Not me. That's who. And all of a sudden, in this moment, the Holy Spirit said, you do have it. And he said, what's wrong with you that you can't share what I've given to you with somebody who needs it? And I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit in my head. He's lying to me. Holy Spirit, he doesn't need this. He just wants my money. He doesn't, this is a lie. He's making it up. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't come off it. What's wrong with you that you're holding so firmly to that that you won't allow my word to move through you? Man, I'm sitting there, I'm so broken. I'm like, oh, man, I just wanted to drop this guy off, Lord. <laughs> Get him out of my car. I think he's taking advantage of me, for real. And I said, hey, I need to apologize to you. I do have $50. I lied to you. I'm really sorry. I handed him the money. And that guy got out with $50, but when he closed the door, I got the kingdom of God. Y'all, the, the kingdom flooded into my car. I remember just sitting there crying like, Man, I, I didn't know that my heart had gone to sleep. I didn't know. I was just doing all my good routines. I didn't realize something had gone quiet. Something was dying. And the Lord was so kind to me to put his finger on it and say, wake up. What's wrong with you that you can't release this? What's wrong with you that you feel like you're okay and your heart is dead and, and dying? God is merciful to give us another chance to hear his voice and to respond. And listen to me, we aren't promised tomorrow. Not a single one of us. Who knows? Who knows what can happen in this room? We aren't promised tomorrow and we can't go back in time and fix yesterday. But we have been given today. You've been given a gift some of you are here and your heart is as hard as a stone from pain or disappointment or disillusionment or a place where God hasn't done what you thought he should. Friend, wake up. God doesn't owe us. He doesn't owe us. He is compassionate and merciful, but he is not my servant. See, if we only follow and obey him because he does what we want, then we are God in our lives, not Him. If I only follow God when everything goes the way that I think it should, then who's God? But if He's God, He calls the shots. If He's God, then even on the bad days, on paths that I wouldn't choose, He, he, he is the one who's in charge, not me. And that may feel scary to you, but can I tell you, that is a great place of blessing. Because when I'm in charge, I literally lead it off the cliff every time. It's a 100% success rate. When I'm making decisions about what I think ought to happen, clear off the cliff. 
just set the whole thing on fire. We don't have time enough in a sermon for me to tell you all the devastating consequences of me thinking I'm in leadership. God calls the shots. You know, uh, in this room of people, in this church, I've watched so many of you since 2020, um, since 2021, who have slowly been in this process of your heart just going quiet and hard. If you've been with us, then I, I think you probably remember dead in the middle of 2020, me saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. There is something so deceiving about pain over time, undealt with with the Lord, where we stop walking in faith, and I just start walking in routines, and I have lost sight of what it means to be faithful to God. And for some of you, your, your hearts are so hard toward the Lord, and you're acting like it's no big deal, like I'm just going to go to work, and then do another meal, and then watch another movie, and go to bed, and then do it again. Can I just, like, bear hug you this morning? In the spirit and say, wake up. Wake up. You're treating this hardened heart like it's nothing. But here's the gift today. You get to choose something different. The gift of today is you get to choose differently. And so what if today you see that and as the spirit is knocking on your heart, you recognize something is off, something's wrong, and I need to bring my whole heart back to him. What if today you, you choose to repent and submit your life to his word and his voice and his plans once again? What if today you choose to confess your sins and repent of your stinking attitude and unbelief and hard-heartedness? What if you don't stay in the same place for the next two and three and four and 20 years? What if today you allow things to shift? Because the Spirit's knocking and knocking and knocking. And it, just because I love you, on the day when you stand before the Lord, be that today or in 40 years, what will you say in defense of your hard heart and unbelief? Do you think about that? Like, there's something pretty healthy about dreaming about the day when you're going to stop on this side. Dreaming about the day when your body's going to fail and you're going to go and stand before the Lord. What will your defense be when you stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords who breathed everything into being and who loves you? Will you believe on that day that your fear and frustration is justified to have led your life away from him? No, no, you will regret anything that pulls you away from his presence and his glory. Every single one of us will give an answer for our lives. Every single one of us will stand before him. Every single one of us. So what will you say on that day? Friends, don't take today for granted. It is a gift and it's an opportunity to return to the Lord with your whole heart. Amen? Secondly, you were made to hear the Lord. He says, today, if you hear his voice, in Psalm 95, where Hebrews is quoting from, it says, if you would only hear his voice, you were made for this. This word in the Hebrew doesn't just mean to passively hear, right? Like parents understand this. If I ask my daughter Lily, Lily, go clean your room, and then I say, hey, did you hear me? And she says, yes, Dad. That doesn't mean that she's been obedient. That means that my words left my mouth and entered into her auditory canal in a way that she heard what I said. But if I go in her room 30 minutes later and the room's still not clean, has she really heard me? Has she obeyed? Johannes was talking about this word in German, right, that's attached, hearing and obeying. Like it's one thing. Is that right? I was thinking about all this this weekend. He's like, I'm not sure. <laughs> Never mind, it's not a thing. <laughs> God actually calls us not just to passive hearing, but to taking in the information and digesting it with him and then obeying it. This word means to hear, to listen, and to obey. The writer is saying that the voice of God, the word of God, comes with strings attached. Hear me. Often we pretend that what God says, it's fine if I take it or if I don't. No, are you kidding me? That's not true. That is a lie. In our desire to understand God's compassion and his mercy, we have underscored how he holds us responsible for what we hear. 
The scripture says it's better for you to not hear if you plan to just be disobedient. It's better that you never knew what God was saying than to hear what he says and disobey. See, when God speaks, he does it with intention and with purpose. We treat it like, man, it's no big deal. Hey, it's a suggestion. Jesus' words are not suggestions. One of the problems that we have in our generation is that we despise authority. The idea that he would think he can tell me what to do and I'm going to do it, I'll show him. I'm going to do what I want. Even in subtle ways. It's a lie. God actually requires obedience. He requires it. And here's the thing. He's God, so he can do whatever he wants. See, see, the issue is we have such a deep rebellion against anyone saying that this is how I'm to live and this is how I'm to walk and this is what I'm to do. But friends, God hasn't come to share power with people who are rebellious. He has come to give power to those who are submitted. It says that Jesus was in very nature God and he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And because of that, you notice the progression? Because he was obedient, because he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, God gave him the name that was above every other name. He requires obedience. It's not a suggestion. We treat this with absolute um, disdain, the idea that God can tell me and that I have to do something. Guys, we're going to stand before him. You're going to stand before him. And he is pure and holy and he has an unshakable kingdom and nothing endures but his word. What will we say? James chapter 4 verse 5 tells us like this. That God jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. He jealously longs for the spirit that he's caused to dwell in us. God has put his spirit inside of you through faith. And he jealously longs for the obedience of that spirit that dwells in you to respond in the way that you live. Jesus says in Luke chapter 18 verse 8, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Listen to that heart cry from Jesus. When, when I return, am I going to find people who are faithful to my word or just doing whatever they want? He wants us to long for his voice. He wants us to be hungry to hear the word of God in our lives. And so I just want to ask you, are you hungry for his voice? 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 Are you leaning in in every regard and every aspect so that when God whispers through the scriptures and through his spirit and through his son in our hearts that we will hear him and respond? The psalmist says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Translation, Even when I'm in a desert and I'm thirsty for actual water, my body and soul long for you more. This should have been Israel's response, right? We're thirsty, but we long for you more. And we know that you're faithful to deliver on all of our needs when we turn our hearts to you. If we long for his word, friends, we're going to treat it differently. We're at that moment in the message where everybody is stone quiet. (laughs) I'm preaching loud. If we long for his word, we will treat it differently. I'll treat the scriptures differently. I'll I'll wait on his voice. Uh, Y'all know the moments in worship when it gets awkwardly quiet for a couple seconds longer than you're comfortable with? If we honor the word of the Lord, it will actually cause me to stand still a little longer and wait. Why? I'm desperate to hear him. I'm desperate to hear him. Not just for the next song, not for the transition. I'm desperate for the voice of the Lord to strike the soil of my life and to raise something up. We will honor it and let it shape us and remake us. We'll give our time and attention to hearing his voice. James 1.22 says, don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
listening to the word alone on a Sunday morning is dangerous. This is dangerous. If you don't put to work what we talk about, this is hazardous stuff. It's actually going to reap judgment on you if you hear it, recognize it for truth, and then walk away and say, I'm going to do what I want. Guys, if that's where you're at, you're in trouble. Wake up. Wake up. There's an expectation that we're going to deal with the hardness of our hearts so that when God speaks through his word or his spirit, we will do three things. We will hear. I will perceive his voice. Secondly, I will listen. I will move from passive hearing to actively engaging to understand. And three, I will obey. I'm going to do what he says. I will hear, I will listen, and I will obey. Thirdly, hardness of heart is a choice. Hardness of heart is your choice. He says, do not harden your heart. Notice where the ownership is. The ownership of what happens in your heart is in your hands. No one is a victim of a hardened heart. Hear me. There is no one in this room or that you know who is a victim of a hardened heart. Maybe you've endured unspeakable pain. Man, 100%. Some of you have been through things that we could not say out loud. They're so treacherous. Some of you have been through such hardship, 100%. But no one is a victim of a hardened heart. See, God gives you a choice in how you respond to the pain and the hardship you've endured. You know, I love that my generation wants to be in touch with how we feel. I really do. I don't think it's weakness. I know previous generations have felt like that's weakness, that's the problem. No, I don't think so. I think it's strength that we understand what's going on in our souls so that we can deal with it. And that's a caveat I want to put on it. But here's what I find. I find that we make our feelings, and y'all listen to me, young people. If you make your feelings the captain of your lives, if you let your feelings begin to lead every decision, then you start to give disappointment and disillusionment the power to lead you. And that's always going to lead you to sin and disobedience. Always. Our feelings are good fuel gauges to tell us what's in the engine, but they are terrible drivers. Our feelings are the red flag for our soul. They're going to tell you what's going on in here, but that's so that you will deal with it, not so that it will lead you. If you let your feelings steer your life, they will make you a monster. Hear me. Hear me as one of you. It will turn you into a monster. Your feelings were not meant to make decisions for you. They were meant to show you what's going on in your soul so that you can submit it to God and that you can follow Him. Our circumstances can't hold the weight of our choices. Some of you are in bad situations right now. That circumstance cannot hold the weight of your decisions. Only you can. And every single one of us endure suffering and things beyond our control. But keeping a tender heart that is hungry for the Lord is necessary if you're going to follow Jesus. I'm just circling this morning, okay? I know you feel it. If your heart's hard, wake up. A tender heart is necessary to continue following Jesus. It's necessary. Hebrews 3.12, we read this at the beginning. He says, brothers and sisters, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so some of you today, as we kind of close in the next few minutes, some of you today just need to get before the Lord and repent of a sinful, unbelieving heart. Can I say that with all the love and affection in my heart and at the same time rattle the cage a little bit? Some of you, if you feel like there's a hardness of heart, repent. Repent. Turn away from that thing. Make a different choice today. Come back to God. Don't toy with a hardened heart because it's killing you, right? And here's the promise out of Ezekiel 36 for those of you who will do that. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. That place where you're like, man, it's too hard. There's too much that's been done. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the work of the spirit is to come in and to give you a heart of flesh where there's a heart of stone. And some of you know this. This is your testimony. 
Your hearts were so cold and dry, and the Lord came in and he saturated it with his word and his spirit, and he softened you and changed you. It changes everything. How do we apply all of this today? If we're going to be a people who delight in the fear of the Lord, a people who honor his word, I think it's going to show up for us in three ways. Firstly, we're going to learn to devote our lives to the scriptures. We're going to learn to devote our lives to the scriptures. Uh, We can talk all day about learning to hear God's voice, but if we aren't devoting ourselves to reading the scriptures, we aren't actually following Jesus. Is everybody okay? If we talk about wanting to hear God's voice and honoring His Spirit, but we never read the Bible, something's broken. Here's why. Now, this is valuable. Two reasons. Number one, Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He actually comes and He utilizes what God has spoken in the Scriptures and He brings them all to pass. His life's mission was to fulfill the law and the prophets so that all the promises of God could be for not just Israel, but for everyone. He had to fulfill it. He had to do what the Word said to unlock the promises of God for everyone else. Scholars say that he fulfilled between 200 and 400 unique prophecies in the Old Testament. Think about that. God said between two and 400 things way back then, and Jesus came and fulfilled each one, some of them actively and some of them passively, like where he was born, passive, right? He didn't choose that. But he actively fulfilled hundreds of things in his own choosing to be faithful to the Scriptures. The Bible wasn't secondary to Jesus. It wasn't um, something he does when he has enough time after all the other things that he's doing. It was, it was central. He actually spoke with authority to both the Pharisees who were overemphasizing their traditions over the Scriptures and the Sadducees who pooped on resurrection and didn't understand the power of the Scriptures. Jesus spoke with authority to both because he spoke from the revelation of the Scriptures in the power of the Spirit. You know what our our world and community needs right now? We need people who walk in the authority of the Scriptures and the power of the Spirit. That we would be a Word and Spirit people. This is what Jesus models perfectly. You know, here on the screen, I don't have time to go through them because I'm already running behind per usual. There are 16 references in the New Testament that specifically say Jesus did something or something happened specifically in fulfillment of Scripture. It says it in the Word, like He does these things in order to fulfill what the Bible said. Now, now what are you getting at, Pastor Grant? Why are you hitting this over and over? The Bible is central to the ministry and life of Jesus. And so for us to walk out the ministry and the life of Jesus, the Bible is going to be central to us. And if it's not, number two comes. Without the Scriptures, you're opening yourself up to spiritual deception and manipulation. Hear me. If you think I'm hearing the Spirit, but I don't have any undergirding from the Scriptures then you are opening yourself up to spiritual deception and manipulation. Demons also speak. Are you with me? It's unclean spirits that come in and try to inflict you and make you a slave to them. They also speak and they will mirror the voice of what you call the spirit if you don't understand the scriptures. Is everybody with me? Danger. To all my charismatic Pentecostal brothers and sisters who were raised like me, spiritual activity minus the authority of the Scripture yields deception and manipulation. Careful. Careful. Satan presents himself as an angel of light. He's the father of lies and delights to destroy you. Do you think he won't use spiritual giftings and manifestations of the Spirit to do that? He will. Listen to this, Matthew 24, 24. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. What? So you're telling me that signs and wonders, things that we see as spiritual gifts, can actually be utilized by the enemy to deceive people? Yes. Yeah. Matthew 7, 21 through 24 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Listen to it. 
In your name, in your name, didn't we drive out demons? In your name, didn't we perform many miracles? And then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Hold on. The way that I evaluate people knowing the Lord is when they walk in power to do these things. He says, be careful. You can be involved in all kinds of spiritual manifestation and activity, but if it's not submitted to the lordship of Jesus and empowered by the authority of his word, something's wrong. We have to be careful. And and to to make sure that we're not over-responding here, we are hungry for the things of the Spirit. Hear me in the same breath. What we desperately need is people who are undergirded in the Word, but walk in the power of the Spirit. Not like flush the things of the Spirit because we're scared of something going sideways. Hear me. Be faithful to the Scriptures. Be submitted to the Word of God who is Jesus and live in the power of the Spirit. Respond when the Spirit breathes. Respond when He speaks. Respond when He moves. Can we hold those things in tension? Okay. It's easier said than done, right? 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's spirit language. Look at that. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's the same word used for the God who breathed His Spirit into Adam and Eve. It's pneuma, right? Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. This is theonumatos. It's a God breathed. It is the Spirit enacted in humanity. When you open the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit starts to breathe on you. The Spirit breathes on the stories of Gideon and Samson. The Spirit breathes on the stories of David and Jesus. And suddenly, He's breathing on Blake and He's breathing on this Word. And suddenly, there is life. He's renewing my mind through His Word. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know that there are scientific studies right now that show that if you read your Bible four times a week, that it dramatically decreases lust, anxiety, anger, defensiveness, all kinds of stuff. A scientific study. If you read your Bible four times a week. Dang. Right? There is actual change that happens. When the Spirit breathes on you in the Word. So friends, devote yourselves to the Scriptures. And if you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Grant, that's heavy and I don't know where to start. Start in the Gospel of Mark and tell me if you need other people to read it with you. Really, we'll sit down and walk. One beautiful thing about having a community like ours is we can just shift gears real fast. Okay? So tell us, seriously. But start somewhere. And get in communities. We go through the Scriptures every week. Every single week. All right. Secondly, remember that it's all about Jesus. Remember that it's all about Jesus. If we're going to honor the word of God, we have to remember that Jesus is the word and he is the complete revelation of God. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being who holds all things together by his powerful word. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No person can get to the Father apart from him. So if you're looking to get to him just through reading your Bible, I'm so sorry. This is the revelation of Jesus. This is so that you can see from front to back, start to finish, that God's answer to the maladies of humanity is the man, Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And he has been given the name that is above every name by his obedience and submission to the Father. He is the fulfilled will of God. He is the perfect word of God, and you can trust him. If I'm going to honor him then I'm going to actually honor the man, Jesus. And Jesus said, it's really simple. If you want to honor me, obey me. In John chapter 14, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. In Matthew 28, Marty, he's standing there on the side with all of his boys, and he says, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is what we're doing next week, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Jesus' love language is obedience. Why? Because the Father's love language is obedience. He can tell if you actually love Him. If you love Him, you will obey Him. Right? It's an invitation, but it's also a realization. If I just continually don't obey Him, proof's in the pudding. 
I don't actually love him. I just kind of like him. I'm a fan from afar. He's saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. Right? So remember, it's all about Jesus. And thirdly and finally, and we're going to close. The Holy Spirit. We want to welcome the Holy Spirit. If you're going to honor the Word of God, then you're going to make space and hunger for and yield to the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not some B-League version of God. Are you with me? If you came out of a mainline denomination where the Holy Spirit was hidden away in the side room, He's what we talk about once upon a time, but we don't actually see Him as God, then your theology doesn't match your Bible. The Holy Spirit is God. We can't honor God's Word and His Son without honoring His Spirit. The same Spirit that brought order to the cosmos in Genesis 1. The same Spirit that raises Jesus from the dead. This is the Spirit that is among us and in us when we come together to praise and worship. This is the Spirit that we're yielding our lives to. John 16, 13 tells us about Him that when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine, says Jesus. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from, what, from Me what He will make known to you. This is what the Spirit does. For some of you, you're here this morning and you are good with the Bible and you are comfortable with Jesus, but the idea of the Holy Spirit freaks you out. Can I encourage you that you can no more honor the Word and worship Jesus without the Spirit than you can breathe without air. He is the air of heaven. He's the breath of the kingdom of God. He's how God gets stuff done in the earth today. And if we don't learn to yield to Him, then we, it's like we're slamming the door shut on God. You're saying, God, why don't you just come and tell me? He is through the person of the Holy Spirit. God, why don't you come and do something about this? He is through the person of the Holy Spirit. God, where are you? He is with us, in us around us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Will you yield to Him? He is no less God. He is God. So maybe you're here and you're just uncomfortable. Can I invite you that the King of Heaven in the person of the Spirit is knocking? And He's saying, can I come in? Can I come in? Will you learn to keep in step with Me? He is not God who is up there And He is not God who was once here and no longer. The Holy Spirit is God with us and in us. And He's inviting you to welcome Him. Does He feel welcome in your life? Does the Holy Spirit feel like He's being welcome and like you're giving hospitality to Him when He comes? You know, when people come to my house, Caleb, what I do is I like rearrange my house to make sure that it's set up to feel good for the people coming, right? If you go to Trish Wilkinson's house, boy, you better not try to clean up a plate. She'll get a hold of you. If you've been there, you know. Why? Because she, is, she wants to serve everybody. Are we serving to make this thing ready for the Holy Spirit? Are we serving to make this place ready for the Holy Spirit? The comments from many of you is, hey, when I come here, I really feel the presence of God. All that is, is that we have fought tooth and nail to make sure that we wait on and make space for the Spirit. He knows He's welcome here. What would it look like for you to just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I give you rain. Come and lead my life. Lonnie Frisbee, who's in that movie Jesus Revolution, or that's about his life, he famously um, started the vineyard movement of churches one Sunday when he said, we have kept the third person of the Trinity in the side room closet long enough. We repent and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way. 
And it says the Holy Spirit fell and the movement of the vineyard churches exploded onto the scene because of this radical submission to God the Spirit. This morning, I believe that God wants us to come back to honoring His written Word, the revelation of Jesus, to honor the person of Jesus in our worship, in our times of reflection, in our times of communities where we're sharing about how He's changed us and what He's done in us and obeying His Word. But finally, that I would fight to make space for the Spirit, for the whisper of God that is rooted in the Scriptures, confirmed by the person of Jesus, that empowers me to live. Are you hungry? Is your heart hard because the Spirit is knocking? Will you let me in? Go ahead and stand to your feet today. Thank you for your patience. Just acoustic. Would you just say with me today, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Father, we repent of muscling you out, out of our lives, out of our churches, out of this church at times. Father, we confess, Lord, that we have not made a welcoming environment for you. Lord, come and do whatever you please. Whatever you please, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. Say it with me. Say it. If that's you, if that's in your heart, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome. Come and lead us. Come and fill us again. Come and blow breath of heaven. Change our hearts that we wouldn't stay dry and crusty, that our hearts would open. And if today, if you are here and you're listening to my voice and your heart is hard, you feel like you haven't responded to or heard him for a while and you're angry with him, come. The altars are open. Come and repent and give him your life back. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Come and just submit your life to him again. We're going to wait together. But I just want to encourage you to come and wait on him. Come on. Come on. Come on, don't be slow. Don't be hesitant. If you feel like there's hardness in your heart, let Him come and remove it. Come, repent, return to Him with everything you have. Ask Him to speak to you once again. You're like, I haven't heard from Him in a long time. Your heart's hard. Come in. Come home. Let the Lord soften your heart. He loves to heal us. He loves to heal us. He loves it when you turn away from the things that are keeping you from Him. He delights in you submitting and yielding your life to His Spirit and His Word. Come. If you're toying with a hardened heart, don't stay seated. Move out. Move out. You have today. You're not promised tomorrow. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come. Come. Hey, business is not yet done. There are some of you in here who are, man, you have your feet dug into dry and crusty soil, and the Lord says, I want to change that today. Come on. Come on. Respond to his voice today. Respond to his nearness today. Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us. Come near to us, your people. Breathe on us again, Father. Lord, we confess that we're dry and thirsty. We're dry, but Lord, we, are, we feel the hunger stirring, the hunger of the Spirit. Don't wait for somebody else to do it to you. Would you begin to stir the soil in your life right now? I stir it up. I turn my affection to you, King Jesus. I set my hope fully on the grace to be given me when Jesus is revealed. Fire of the Spirit, come and rest on your people. Come, Holy Spirit. Don't leave us dry. Don't leave us weary and dusty. Come and ignite the fire in our hearts again.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. That's it. That's it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating to dividing your soul and your spirit, your joints and your marrow, and it's judging the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. I thank you, Lord, right now, you're taking that pickaxe of the Spirit. You're digging up under that dry soil to see what the problem is. Uprooted in the name of Jesus. Right now, it's not going to come through a therapy session, friends. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is hardness of heart will not be dealt with like that. The Lord wants to deliver you from it as you repent. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We long for you, God. We hunger for you. We hunger for you. We hunger for you, God. We hunger for you. We hunger for you. We hunger for you, Jesus.